Welcome to the Atheist Podcast. I'm Aaron, And I'm Kelly. Atheist is where we will explore American cultural trends through the lenses of a devout theist and a devout atheist. We will discuss the messiness of being human, the latest in social science, psychology, and American culture, and what any of it has to do with Homo sapiens' longtime preoccupation with religion. Hey, Kelly. How's it going? It's going good. Hey, um, so today's episode, we're going to talk about what we're reading this summer. Yeah, so summer beach reads, or like the opposite of beach reads, because we've both, we can't actually do beach reads. We can't do beach reads. So I I want so, I wanted, I want so badly to be somebody who can do beach reads that I downloaded a beach read book, uh, Happy Place by Emily Henry, okay. which is, here's the, here's the setup. And, and she is a... I guess a very prolific I've heard the name. and yeah. um, very good. And it's a, it's, it's a great book. Um, but it's about a couple who breaks up, but they haven't told their friends yet. And then they go on a vacation with all their couple friends and they haven't told their couple friends that they've broken up. <laughs> and so then they have to actually pretend that they're still together. And of course, you know, yeah, they all the, start all that. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I think Reese Witherspoon has probably, you know, already optioned. optioned all of her books and stuff. But I listen to it so funny. when I like am, you know, doing the dishes and yeah. folding laundry and stuff. Um, but I just, I, I, but then I'm like, but now I want to read a book about, about the soul. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the book about the soul? That you're so writing? I'm reading a book, Soul Boom by Rain Wilson, okay. who was, uh, who's the actor who is on The Office. Which? He played Dwight on The Office. Oh. So he is hilarious. And his book is... And so he, he was also a producer. Do you, remember, do you remember the production company Soul Pancake? They would do these little, like, short films and different, like, you know, internet yeah, meme yeah. Okay. kind of videos okay. um, that were all kind of feel-good and, you know, positive energy things. Yeah. He's a really interesting person who I saw in a production once at the Globe Theater in San Diego um, in a production of Taming the Shrew and I ran into him backstage and he was very kind Aww. in just a moment of like literally running into him. Yeah. So he's, he's, <laughs> he's, um, he's obviously a good person just because he's an actor who didn't yell at me when I ran into him. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but you mean ran, ran into him like you like, like ran literally into I was him. like, okay. Oh, Oh, sorry. And then I was like, <laughs> Oh, I think you're famous. Um, <laughs> but uh, he is he was raised as part of the Baha'i faith. Do you know anything about that? Actually, I do. I didn't up until uh, I started this new job, but my current office mate is that is he is a Baha'i. And I was like, and he fasted for like a whole month or something. Wow. I was like, oh my God. It's, it's a really interesting, and the book is not necessarily about the Baha'i faith, but he references it often because... That's how he was raised, but it's it's very much like a universalist kind of theistic. Yeah, that's the way he described it. Yeah. It's, it's so it's you know they believe in God, but they believe that there are many manifestations of God's wisdom in all of the traditions of religion, and and so this this book is about why we need a spiritual revolution, which I think is so interesting. So it's it's very practical, like 
why do we need to talk about spirituality? Why do we need to talk about these things? Yeah. Because. What's the ration? What? Yeah. Like, what are we gaining as a society? Because there we have these problems and maybe thinking about them in a different way rather than from a consumerist, materialist consumption way um, will kind of give us a different hmm. way to take care of each other. That's interesting. And actually, that pairs well with um, the book that I just finished, which is the Generations book mm. um, by Jean Twangy. Mm -hmm. So um, she is a scholar of generations mm -hmm. and she basically takes a look at like all of the living generations and, and saying, okay, how, what, what are the experience of, you know, um, the, here, let me, I'll, uh, is she the one who wrote iGen? She is. Okay. And, and she talks about that in the beginning It is sort of like, you know, when I was looking at the data sets for Gen Z, I, I was like something, is very significant in this, mm -hmm. in this data set. And I don't, and she was like, at first I didn't really know what to make of it. I was sort of like, well, what could have occurred around 2011, 2012 that would have, have so significantly changed the, like almost the entire like adolescence and development mm -hmm. of a generation. And she was like, it wasn't until she had read a piece in a different article, you know, different mm -hmm. journal and they made reference to the fact that that it was it was 2011 2012 that more than 50% of the united states population had smartphones including youth mm. and she was like oh shit uh, and then so she starts pulling out the charts you know yeah. and is like mapping them onto each other and she's like this is this is it this yeah. is what it is um and she's like i haven't been able to find any anything else that has changed my mind, you yeah. know, that, and, and she's like, I'm inviting it. Like, please, like if you can, if you can find something else that, that makes me think I'm wrong, like yeah. bring it, bring it. But she's just like, there's nothing that, that does. Yeah. Um, and the, what she, so as she was like kind of going around and talking to people about the iGen book and technology, people were like, well, haven't we all been affected by technology? And she's like, yeah, we have actually. Mm -hmm. And, the so the premise of generations is that technology more so than like maybe significant um i don't want to say cultural events but like you, you know we we kind of always have thought about like okay world war one world war two mm -hmm. like these are the defining moments of this generation and she's like yes and no like those those things matter a lot because the the number of people who die or mm -hmm. how you know families are impacted like certainly that those things matter but she's like the overarching thing is technology and the and the the two ways that that manifests itself in american culture more than anything are, are there's two results which are sort of like she calls them the daughters of the like if technology is the mother the daughters of technology are uh, an increase in individualism mm -hmm. and a slower life strategy. So she's like, in the last, you know, 150 years, mm -hmm. you go from most people, you know, live to be like, you know, at best like 50 mm -hmm. to now like people live to be in their eighties. And then, so she's like, everything about life shifts older. Mm -hmm. She's like, you know, if you, and she's like, even people, they look 
younger. Mm -hmm. And she's like, biologically, like there are studies where somebody who is like, they are literally biologically younger than somebody else that was their age, like decades earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but she's like, because the workforce has changed so much that like, if you, you know, most people, more people than ever go to college and, and knowledge workers. Yeah. And... So that means that you are, you know, you're just mm-hmm. delaying all the things that, you know, the markers of adulthood right. in terms of like owning a home and having a family and getting married. And, mm. um, but she's like, everything shifts later. And she's like those things, but also like drinking, having sex, doing anything that's like risk taking behavior is like way down. So the unless you're a billionaire, right? Sorry. Well, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry that was a little. <laughs> but yeah, going in a rocket. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's um th- those things were those were really and just to look at the the data sets are is is really interesting. But one of the things that I really liked about the book is and anybody can do this, but you can search the terms in Google, uh, like the Google book scanning. Mm-hmm. So it's like how often are these terms coming up in books that have been published in certain periods of time? So she analyzed terms like give versus get. So like fascinating. Yeah. So the, the, the the times that people are referencing the word give is like, you know, just like down and then get ever since the boomers like come into adolescence, it's just like, skyrocketed and just every subsequent generation is more and more about like get, 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 get versus give. Um, but you know, um, I am special like way up, you know, just the, any, anything that is related to individualism, individual, those terms are like, Mm -hmm. have just, you know, skyrocketed. And then anything that's more about collectivism has gone down. Well, and that's interesting because when you were talking about the impact of say like world wars on, generations versus stuff like like iPhones yeah, and yeah like social media it seems to me that part of the reason that we might as a culture kind of uh be able to kind of take the impact of like war something like war it, or even pandemic is because we do it as a community as a culture yeah. like we're all experiencing this mm-hmm. I mean in different ways but then when we experience social media or this it's isolating, right? Yeah. So the experience is mine. Yeah. So it's not like, I mean, we're just now kind of like years after getting to this place where we're able to articulate, oh, you feel that way too? Oh, you, you know what I mean? It's not just assumed that we're all having the same experience. Right. It took us a long time to get there. Realize, realize that that was the experience that people were having. There was another study that I, I was just looking at, um, and it was, this was looking at, social media use among college students. But one of the things, and I can't remember how they categorized it, but it was sort of like, here are the different categories of need. Mm -hmm. And what they were finding was that like social media satisfied like a couple of like whatever the categories of need were. Mm -hmm. But what it did was like, it made the other need categories. It like, it grew the gap almost. Mm -hmm. And they were like, it's almost like you're just, it's like just dripping like drops into a bucket of water that just keeps filling and filling and yeah. filling. Like it's never satisfied and it just mm-hmm. like keeps growing the void. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's so, but then, but then you keep going back and dipping in to, in this cycle of addiction for the, for those like quick hits mm-hmm. that are whatever, you know, hitting those certain need yep. categories that were at the top. 
And then while like continuously filling this, you know, tank yep. of like desperation underneath. It was, that was nice. Well, I'll tell you, Soul Boom, Wilson, talk, Rain Wilson talks about that too. And he, he sets up as like the major issues of our culture, you know, he sets up racism, misogyny, consumerism, mm -hmm. or capitalism, consumerism. And, and, but he sets up um, mental health crisis through social media and, 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 um, as, as being one of the, like those major things. Yeah. And he might even put that, he might even talk about that first. Um, yeah. And, and that, and he talks about it as an addiction he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. It, it, it is like, it is an, it is an addiction. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy to get onto that. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if you had this experience, um, as a teacher and somebody who would like, yeah, was taking students out of town, the number of people who I observed, I mean, this is female students specifically just taking these selfies, selfies. you know, yeah. phone above the head, tilt, smile, thousands, thousands, you know, with And I'm like, you must have 10 million photos of yourself yeah. on this camera that you're then posting on. And it's just like the saddest yeah. thing. Well, I, I, I have was, you, have you seen, have you seen Bo Burnham's movie 13? Oh no. I've heard. Uh, okay. So Bo Burnham is Bo Burnham. Wonderful. Is the prophet yeah. of anti-social media. Yeah. He is. And yeah. it's particularly, and I think it's interesting as a young, well, not necessarily a young man. I mean, he's a young man, but, as a man kind of seeing it from the perspective of like young women and just, yeah. and he, because he was that, because that's how he got. Yeah. He was like a child of YouTube. He was a YouTuber. Yeah. 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 And that movie is devastating. Yeah. Devastating. Um, have you watched? Why any? is it? Like, why is it oh, why is it devastating? Yeah. Just, he is able to articulate the 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 desperate need and vulnerability and both both the need and the vulnerability mm -hmm. of a young girl. Mm -hmm. So like he has I think a bit in one of his stand-ups where he talks about, you know, seeing girls. And he has that scene in the movie where that just they're like, taking the pictures. That, like, yeah, yeah. And then and then just he describes kind of, you know, how they turn on when they turn, you know, put that that camera up to the, you know, at a 45 yeah. degree angle, yep. looking down at yep. them and the smile they give and the turn of their head, just the way, like my daughter never takes a bad picture. She knows how to turn her face in what exact way and how to smile to get that perfect, like my pictures are the shittiest pictures ever. <laughs> I don't know how to take a picture. She yeah. never has a bad picture because she's, she's grown up in yeah. selfie, selfie nation. Yeah. So these, these girls, he describes like, this this kind of like light that comes on in them when they like take the selfie and then how he observes when they put the phone down and all of a sudden all this self-questioning, self-deprecating insecurity just yeah. comes over them and, and he sees that on them. And like that's like that's like who they are. And then it yeah. just pushes into yeah. this. Yeah. It's just so sad. Yeah. It's yeah. so sad. Yeah. Man, have you seen any of the new Black Mirrors? No. Do you watch any of the Black Mirrors? I've seen. I saw the. I watched like the first few, and I was like, "This show is fucked up." 
this joke is fucked. crazy. It's fucked up. But <laughs> it's brilliant. I mean, because it yeah. is about yeah. technology yeah. and how technology yeah. messes with us. Well, this last season, yeah. I won't give anything away. But it's really good. I mean, it's mixed. It's gotten mixed reviews, but I think it's good. The first one is really good about, like, how we give away our privacy. Yeah. It's, that is... And and it's how we give away our privacy and AI in terms of, like, streaming platforms and all these things. Yeah. Definitely watch it. It's called... That one's called... Um, uh, Anna, Anna is Horrible, I think. Anna is Horrible. It's, it's, very, <laughs> okay. it's very funny. Okay. I mean, I think it's funny and devastating. Okay. Not devastating, but... What do you watch it on? What's the... Netflix. Oh. Netflix. Okay. Um, but the rest of them are so... Dark. Yeah, that's what I was. I'm a, so I was dark. Like, this show is so dark. Like it's kind <laughs> of moved beyond. Like this is the way technology is fucking with us, and now it's moved into like no, we're basically in the apoc like the the state of apocalypse where we're just like ending culture. Yeah. Well. So okay. So so there's a another great book which I came across uh, and I reference it a lot. It was it was on Obama's list of like mm -hmm. the ten or twenty books that he had read. It was a few years ago, and it's a book called Trick Mirror. Mm -hmm. um, oh, and the I woman who it. wrote it is her name's Gia Tolentino. Mm -hmm. Really smart mm -hmm. woman, um, great writer. The essay that sort of I think prompted the book was called The Eye in Internet, mm. and. It was, I mean, she she's um, maybe a few years older than I am, so she sort of came of age in the MySpace, like the promise of the internet, like this is going to connect us all and it's going to be wonderful. And then it's just like, oh, that didn't really work out the way that I thought it was going to work out. And um, But just like she's so good at cutting to the heart of, yeah. of what um, it is. But that, I mean, so she's using, you know, similar language, but that this idea... Like apocalyptic language. Yeah, well, or I mean this that you act like it's like you're 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 trying to look in a mirror or see uh, and it's like everything is warped right like everything that you are are putting out into the world as your image is really like a mm. like a fucked up version yeah of bizarro it, yeah yeah bizarro aaron bizarro kelly yeah yeah uh but yeah she's 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 really good um and what's that book called again it's called trick mirror and the there's a couple essays that that are that are really good. One is the I internet, and then um, there's one that's like seven scams that define a generation, and and so it's which is really good. But it's sort of just like it's a great title. It, and it, it, it yeah, it, and it's like the uh, very funny, but it's it's talking about the fire festival. Oh yes. And like oh, all, yes. all these like these, you know, internet celebrities yes. who are just like fucking scam artists, yes. but that are, you know, presenting like I'm like the hottest shit in the world. Yep. Look how amazing my life is. And then at the end you get like a cheese sandwich that like two slices yeah. of white bread. It's like hot and a fucking FEMA like I mean, <laughs> disaster relief like, tent like, on a, an island where there's no infrastructure. I mean, like, okay, so we were just talking earlier before the show started about how, like, the world is actually probably in a better place than it ever has been in terms, like, and we just objectively, don't, objectively like, in terms of, you know, history. Yeah. But, like, what kind of culture do we actually live in <laughs> when fire 
is able to happen, right? That fire festival. And because you could just put it on Instagram and be like, this is the hottest shit. This is the hottest shit ever. And people were like, I'll buy that. $10,000 later. And it's that's the consumerism, right? That's the consumerism. That's the classism. And uh, Elizabeth, what's her name? Holmes. Yes. Yeah. Who's now in jail? So Anna, and then the other one that she talks about. Did she talk about Elizabeth Holmes as the other scam? I, no, she. It, I don't think so. I think I mean, it if was, that wasn't a scam, I don't it know. It was what else, Anna but. Delvey, the one that hit, oh, they did yes. the Netflix that, series about Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, basically, like the scammer in chief, right? Becomes yeah. the, the yeah. scam artist of our lifetimes, becomes the president of the United States. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so sad. It's so depressing. It's so true. And I mean, the I remember, and I can't remember if it was in that piece or a different piece, but or maybe it was this. It was, maybe it was a Netflix series that was just like talk, you know, documentary series about his life. But I, I mean, I remember watching The Apprentice. Yes. As a as a young person and being like, this show is great. As a wee babe. <laughs> and and. And like that, it, and the guys they interviewed, I, it was a documentary. They were interviewing the guys that made that show uh-huh. and they picked Donald Trump because they were like, this will be hilarious. Right. It'll, it's like this person. Cause he's who, an idiot. Yeah. That like was, you know, like a wannabe millionaire. They go to his actual office and it's like totally shitty. So they're like, we're going to, you know, have a set where it's like all gold and super fancy. And, um, they're like, this will be hilarious. And then everybody was like, oh. Donald Trump is like a fucking millionaire. Um, oh yeah, Dirty Money. That's the name of the yeah documentary. Um, and uh, you're just like, wow. I mean, I I would I suspect that that television show, like, I mean, that was literally like the reason that he was elected president. I right, I genuinely yeah. oh, think I 100 agree with that. And also, part of the reason, well, I'd say there's, I mean, we can analyze this, you know, for days but um that consumerism mentality right this american consumerism and the the fact that we value it beyond you know beyond regular normal virtues of kindness and um you know love um we value being able to you know get all the toys that and also the fact that we worship john wayne we worship cowboys and um, male power. The rugged, rugged individualism. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I suppose that's true. It is true. I, so <laughs> I, I read this book. I read this book uh, this spring called Jesus and John Wayne. Okay. By um, Kristen Cobes uh, Doom. I'm not going to pronounce her name right. But anyway, it's called Jesus and John Wayne. She's amazing. Also, have you watched the Duggars documentary, Shiny Happy People? Um, it's amazing. Okay. It's really amazing, and you should watch it. Okay. Okay. Um, but Jesus and John Wayne is about the history of evangelicalism in the United mm. States and basically how it was never really about Jesus. It was always much more about John Wayne. Well, yeah, of course. Of course, right? But it's like baked in. It's this mm-hmm. baked, you know, it's like you don't realize it's there until somebody points it out. I mean, you know it's there, but you don't really know it's there. Yeah. And um, and part of one of her theses, is, theses that comes up in the book is that it wasn't that evangelicals had to like, oh, change their morality or do anything different in order to accept 
you know, uh, Donald Trump as the, you know, head of the Republican Party. It was that he actually just fit into exactly what they were building for years and years and years. Yeah. This cowboy, sexist, misogynistic, rough rider, you know, um, persona. Hmm. It's... I'm very curious what's going to happen in this next oh, election cycle. Okay, we can't go. We can't go there yet. I'm not ready for that. I know. I know. Okay, can I tell you about one book though that I that I did read this summer that that hits on this on this technology thing. Okay, and also kind of not necessarily apocalyptic, but I thought about you so much as we so we listened to this book on our way to um, Asheville. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's called Going Zero. Okay. By Anthony McCartan, and he's a author, but also a screenwriter. He's written like four books. It's going to definitely be a movie. Okay. So the premise here is, I'm going to read you the premise. Two hours to vanish, one chance to escape, zero alternatives. It's a techno thriller. Ten Americans have been carefully selected to beta test a groundbreaking piece of spyware. Fusion can track anyone on Earth, but does it work? For one contestant, an unassuming Boston librarian named Caitlin Day, the stakes are far higher than money and her reasons for entering the test more personal than anyone imagines. When the timer hits zero, there will only be one winner. So basically the premise is that they have these 10 people. Six people are like professional spies and then four (laughs) people are just like... Or like the librarian, like the librarian and who else. And you basically get a thing that says, go zero. And then you have 30 days in which you have to stay off the radar. Okay. And and then this kind of Mark Zuckerberg-like character um, with all of his yeah, spyware. He decides if, if they can find you. Yeah, and they try to find you. And I'm telling you, all the technology they talk about in this, it feels like kind of a Michael Crichton book. Mm. Like all the technology is actually, I am sure, 100% real. Yeah, probably. Where, where they can like... There's like a thing where they can recognize they can recognize people by their gate, the gate of their walk, and identify them and locate them. Yeah. They can listen in on by through your TV. They can they can see how long um, you linger in front of certain products in a store to identify like what your favorite beer with what your favorite candy bar is to identify where you are in the world. Like these kinds of things. And it's so like I mean crazy. But also maybe not that far off. Yeah. And my husband, who's a programmer, who makes me turn off my phone every time we have a conversation, was only <laughs> he literally does. Um he was That's only amazing. only uh lifted up in reading this and affirmed in his paranoia. Yeah, I mean yeah, he's not wrong to be paranoid. I've I said I've said that before. Like you think about you know, I mean at this point I would imagine pretty much any any person who wants to be a politician is already sort of like entrapped in the vetting. Yeah, well, like I mean, tech, anybody that owns a technology company, these huge players, like they will have, they will have everyone right everyone. in in their pocket. It's just like inevitable. Yeah. Um, you know, you want to have leverage over somebody like they're going to have it. Yeah. I don't, right. I don't, I don't know how you can escape it. And I think then that you, you know, what is it? 
what is that what is it that privacy affords us mm-hmm. why do we why are we so desperate to protect it yeah. and what is lost when you have none well right and even in this book what the zuckerberg like character keeps like saying over and over is like privacy is dead people don't want privacy people want safety and they value safety over privacy and people are ready to like give away their privacy they're so that actually that in in um twingy's book yeah i mean she doesn't do that analysis specifically mm-hmm. she does the safety so safetyism mm-hmm. um I, I don't remember a chart that tracks the desire for privacy mm-hmm. i'd have to go back and look but certainly the author is correct that the desire for this concept of safety mm-hmm. is that trajectory is way yeah. way up and the number of people who are like concerned about concepts of safety beyond just physical safety. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's this concept of like, um, this is like the Jonathan Haidt, you know, coddling in the American mind stuff, but it's, it's, it's like, well, I am unsafe if I hear something that I disagree with Mm. something that like challenges my worldview makes me feel unsafe is like sort of the language, any any kind of, any kind of overwhelm whatsoever, anything that trick that, that, that makes my body feel a certain way is, is making me feel unsafe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that, that is, um, millennial and Gen Z, like the, the uptick in that sort of language is, and, and where sort of like the boomer generation, Gen X generation was much more on campuses. Like I would, I would actually rather protect the language that I disagree with because I think that free speech is so important right? for as, as far as expression of ideas and being able to have like a public square where we really like hash shit out yeah. is really important to be protected. And that, that is like not, does not exist anymore. Right. It was like, I would rather never hear anything that I disagree with and only, you know, be in an ideal ideological bubble that like, just reinforces right. what I think is correct. Right. So this idea of safety has gone well beyond just yeah, it's, physical it's safety. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And and the idea of privacy, because because our privacy has been taken really without our knowledge, which the black episode, yeah. the black yeah. episode, the black mirror episode yeah. um, speaks to. Um, really clearly like we just we don't we didn't even know that it was going you know yeah it's we just do gave you, it away do you um do you track any of your family members no i do not i don't either but that's like a i know common, a lot of people it's do. a lot like that's like a really common thing yeah like the number of people i know that are like oh i like track my my children and I have I, had to track my child. Like I've had to track <laughs> down a child when they've been missing. Missing. Well, that's different <laughs> than being like, Oh, I'm, I'm looking at where yeah. they are in their little, their GPS. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Nope. And you know, I mean, I couldn't get my kids to do anything. Do you think, do you think at some point it. we'll chip our children? Do you think people will chip their children the way they chip an animal? Oh, 100%. Absolutely. 
I mean, people put their children on leashes. Well, yeah. I mean, I actually understand that because because <laughs> you have a daughter who I, runs who's away. crazy and it'll <laughs> yeah. like run into traffic. And like the yeah, the older two were not were not mm. quite as crazy, but now I'm like, oh, I kind of understand why. I kind of understand this, the this leash. leash. Yeah, <laughs> and I guess if you have a teenager who's gonna like do yeah. crazy shit, yeah. I understand I was, the tracking. Right? I was talking to a friend, and um, she, her her son was like she was tracking him and he was like driving out to Valley park and she's like, what are you? He was like trying to meet a girl, yeah. you know? And I was like, good for him. You should go do that. You know? <laughs> do, do you remember, did we ever talk about, there was a story, uh, in those little like op-eds in New York times where they do like little video op-eds. They yeah. Do, like they did like a little documentary about these kids. I think it was like in the sixties, like the late six, early mid to late sixties, these two kids, one came home from school and he was like upset and he told his mom, my teacher told me I don't know how to read a map. And the mom was like, really? And he's like, I know I know how to read a map. So this mom encouraged these kids. They lived in like upstate New York or Massachusetts or some area north northeast. These kids, they had a little pony in their backyard, like a little uh, pony and that pulled a little pony cart they had a little pony cart i don't know yeah, yeah. this is the 60s i don't know and so these two and i'm telling you they were like nine and seven yeah yeah and they she helped them map their way from like western massachusetts up to canada to the world's fair in canada yeah and these kids did a month-long road trip with their pony and a pony cart up to Massachusetts, up to Canada. Yeah. They had to stop every night and find a place to stay. She gave them no money. Yeah. <laughs> there was no money involved. She was just like, bye, go guys. You can do Good it. Good luck. Good yeah, luck. You'll do, you'll be fine. And they would stop at homes and be like, we're, we're just going to Canada. <laughs> and they would be like, yeah, you can sleep in the barn. And they're like, do you have water for our pony? And they were like, sure. <laughs> they had to stop every night and find a place to like live and like people to feed them it's amazing and they made it but they also had like it became a huge story and so yeah, yeah, yeah reporters yeah. were following them the whole time yeah and i think their mom was following like five miles behind just to make sure that they made yeah it. the that's funny that well so like i know the in the coddling of the american mind one of the people they talk to is lenora skenazy who i mean this is like a micro version of that and people like told her she was like a horrible parent, but yeah. she basically let her nine-year-old like take the subway by himself. Yeah. Cause he was like, I can do it. Like I, I can get to school from home, like by myself and subway. she's like, all right, here's a map. Here's where you gotta go. Here's some yeah. money. Like you got this. Right. And yeah. he was so excited that he did it by himself. And so she wrote an op-ed about it. And then people were like, Oh, oh you're a terrible parent oh, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And she's like, I mean, we, we did, we, not only did we do, this when we were their age, mm -hmm. but it was, it was actually more dangerous because yeah. the crime rates were worse than, mm -hmm. than they are now. But our, our perception that crime has increased yes. it has gone up. And so the, that's actually one of the things that like Steven Pinker was writing about in his, the better angels book is like across the board, all these horrible things that we talk about in society and culture and that we like perseverate mm -hmm. on 
have actually gone down, like in right. all in our lifetimes, and are continuing to go down. But we the the level of awareness has right. been has, has gone, gone up. up, and which so is why safety, yeah, our ideas of safety are now like, yeah, through our our. And they talk about that like it was sort of like when they started doing advertising that was like, here's your missing child is like on the milk carton, right? Yeah. It was like, you know, here's your Cheerios and the, and the missing kid. kid. And then all of a sudden people were like, oh, my God, people are must be my kid children. Can't go, my yeah. kid can't go down to the creek anymore. Yeah. 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 Perception is not reality. Correct. But it is. It like is and it isn't. It's, <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is. It is the reality that you exist in, right? Because that's what you know. But but it it doesn't have to actually track with fact mm-hmm. or truth or evidence. Mm-hmm. It's just everyone's own perception mm-hmm. gets to be like whatever mm-hmm. it is, like the reality that they inhabit. Yeah, yeah. I've been reading um, poetry unbound, which is a, another great book. We went to Asheville to hear Padre Gatuma. Uh, uh, lead a retreat on this idea of returning and becoming. And he he does uh, the the podcast Poetry Unbound that is connected with okay. um, On Being, Krista oh. Tippett's podcast. Cool. It's like the offshoot. Yeah. And he's an Irish poet who um, has done a lot of work in reconciliation work and has lived in intentional communities in, in Ireland and He's brilliant, and his Poetry Unbound book is beautiful. Where he, it's basically the same format as the podcast, where he takes a poet, usually a poet that's living and um, prints the does has the the poem, and then writes an essay basically about why it's an amazing poem. Because I think a lot of us we read poetry and we're like, like why that's great, is this good? but I don't have any I grounding to know. Yeah, I don't know why this is know. good. Yeah. So he's brilliant and insightful and. Um, has writes this beautiful essay on why it's beautiful, and then you're like, oh yeah, God, that is beautiful. That's what great teaching is. Yeah, right? he is. He's like a great teacher, and then he writes a little like a paragraph about basically why the article or the poem resonates with him personally, and he talks about his own yeah. experience, kind of growing up in the Catholic Church as a gay mm-hmm. man mm-hmm. in Ireland, yeah. in a yeah. kind of a incredibly you know um polarizing religious space and mm-hmm. um so he's fascinating so i've been reading that book but i've been kind of like again that's one of my books that i'm not going to finish the last five pages because you, you just wanted to keep going i just wanted to keep going so i'm just kind of savoring that one yeah what about you well i've i've reread the four thousand weeks oh really book um just because i oliver I've, berkman yeah i've recommended it to so many people mm-hmm. that i i just it's something i i don't know i just keep talking about so i was like all right i'm gonna and and actually i listened to it i mm-hmm. i i just listened to it again mm-hmm. and it's like one of those i feel like it's one of those books that you could just keep coming back to yeah. and you're gonna hear something different every time depending on what like where you are in your life mm-hmm. and what is... What week you're on. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> Bill and I keep referencing. I'm like, he's like, how many weeks do we have left? I'm like, 1,500. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, I mean, I, 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 we were at a dinner party and I, uh, a friend that I had to recommend the book to and they started it. So we were talking about it. And then, you know, another couple, they're like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, there's this book. And, you know, and then they were like, 
4,000 beats. You know, I mean, just like, yeah. they're, they're like, that's, that doesn't sound like very much, you know? Yeah. And um, they're like, a week just went by. And uh, it's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, and actually they <laughs> were, they were, they were cool. And, and uh, the woman I was uh, talking to, she was saying, so she was like a Notre Dame undergrad, you know, yeah. really, really bright, accomplished woman. And she, we were talking about social media and she was like, oh my God, she's like LinkedIn, like totally fucks me up. Right? <laughs> she's like, I love my life. She's like, I have a great life. I have a great family. I have a great job. Yeah. Like I love my husband. I love my children, like everything about it. And she's like, and then I go on LinkedIn and, and I'm like, feel like a loser. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She's like, and I'm like, look at all these people I went to school with. They're doing blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Why am I not doing? Yeah. And it's just like, she's like, and why? Like, what is the point of this? Right. And I'm like, I, I don't know. You should probably not be on that website. <laughs> you like, should probably <laughs> delete that account. Right. Yeah. It's like, just enjoy. Like, if you enjoy your life. Yes. And just enjoy it. You enjoy don't need to compare life. yourself to anybody yeah. else. Right. Yeah. And also, like, just because, like, so-and-so works at blah, 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 doesn't mean that they're happy. They're happy or that their life is better than yours. Like, right. it's just. Um, at least there aren't, like, tons of pictures of people, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember the day I was like, I was in my office and I turned to my office mate and I was like, I think Facebook is making me sad. (laughs) I think I might have said that on this podcast before, but it that was like a like a core memory moment for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, wow. The um, she she uh, Twangy references this in the book, but. There was a study that was done, which I'm like grateful to the people who did the study, but they tracked the people going to mental health services on college campuses Mm. at the, they were able to get the data as Facebook was released on college campuses. So she, and they were like, what's cool about it. I mean, cool in quotes, right. But is that, that Facebook was rolled out. Not, it wasn't all at once. All at once. Right. So it was like, as you could literally see, as each campus, and this was like the shitty version, right? Right. It was, this was like, just a pic, like this was literally just the Facebook. Yeah, yeah, like the very basic. Uh, but it was like that the you know it was like hundreds of thousands of people who yeah. ended up having anxiety and depression from that version, all just college students. Yeah, who who when you when you drill down on the data are less affected. Yeah. than the you know, the 13 year olds that we were talking about earlier are, are affected. Like that is the, that middle school age is like the, yeah. the worst in terms of the impact. But, um, yeah, they're like, the shit is, the shit it is toxic. Did I ever tell And you? I don't use toxic very lightly. And I, yeah. I, I think that's an overused term, but I like it though. <laughs> it used, it works. Yeah. Toxic. Um, <laughs> Did I ever tell you a story? Um, and then I know we have to wrap up. But um, when I was in college, when I started college in 1988, yeah, that's how old I am. Um, we actually had a like a Luddite Facebook, like an actual catalog with all of our pictures no in it. No way. And it had our pictures and it had our room numbers, our dorm room numbers. That's amazing. And I was uh, my roommate was a Ford model. Like, I don't know if anybody knows what Ford, like no. the Ford agency in New York. Like, like the. She was a model at like the top agency in New York. 
And so, <laughs> and so they, there were people knocking on your door. We all the had time. people knocking on our door, calling <laughs> us, calling us and being like, um, and then she was very sweet, <laughs> very sweet name, uh, woman. Her name was Karen. And she was like, sure, I'll go to dinner with you, but can you bring your roommate so I can bring my roommate? I don't mean to infantilize her with my voice, but, <laughs> um, and, and they would always, of course, be like, yeah, of course, my roommate will come. You have to come, buddy. Yeah. You know, so I got, I ended up being dragged to so many dates That's with awesome. like, like unwilling, you know, we were both like the unwilling roommates yeah. so that this guy yeah. I could have a yeah. date with my roommate, Karin. So yeah, Facebook, that, it's always been bad, even before it was online. That's so <laughs> That's so funny. But at least you had to like go yeah. in person. You had to like actually pick up a phone and call somebody, have, have, have an yeah. interaction. That takes courage. You yes. had to go and have an interaction. 100%. That's, that's, a, that's a lot of skills that are developed. Also being like the sidekick to the model. Yes. Man, that's that's character building right yeah. there. But the, I, you know, I still remember the guy that that was the, the, the other version of me on like that first date. Um, he was a super nice guy, ended up being like a professor at like this big, you like he was a flat, like we were both philosophy. Like he was, it was great. Like I ended up making yeah. a friend. Yeah. 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 And that's, yeah. that's all you want. That's yeah. all you want. That's all you want. Just to make a friend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's a good way to end it. Um, I, I, I found this Whitman quote yesterday and I'm going to quote it for summer in our books. Yeah. It's not a really a book quote, but <laughs> I have learned that to be with those I like is enough. Walt Whitman. Yeah. Right? He's so good. He's so good. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah. Thanks for, for being together with yeah. people that I like. Aaron and I want to thank our listeners. The support and feedback you all have given us on this journey means a lot to us. If you're looking for a way to help us out, please subscribe, rate, comment, and share with a friend. It really does help so much. Atheist is produced by Justin Sywell and Trend Media STL and can be found on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening and keep looking for connection.